Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. No stopping the UAW now working to unionize 13 companies that build vehicles in the United States. Yet another example of how scary artificial intelligence can get. And today on the show, the latest from the Central Ohio Building Trades and labor reporter Dave Jamison on the overtime rule and Starbucks. Welcome to the Friday, December 1st edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Dorsey Hager will be our first guest today. It's the first Friday of the new month. Hard to believe we are at the end almost of 2023. Dorsey, of course, Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, website Columbus Construction. Dot O-R-G. couple things we're going to get into. Building Futures graduates and also groundbreaking for the Hollywood Casino. And we figured it's only appropriate to kind of showcase what is going on or has been going on in Central Ohio this year. Now, back in May, the uh, White House named Columbus as one of five workforce hubs in the country. They... Uh, they share that distinction with Pittsburgh, Augusta, Georgia, Baltimore, Maryland, and Phoenix. And this all has to do with legislation. You got the bipartisan infrastructure and jobs plan. You got the Chips and Science Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, all, all jump-starting private and public investments. And I'll tell you, a whole lot has been happening in central Ohio. The Intel plant's a real big one there. That's going to be, you know, the, the funny part about it is they don't even have the plant built and they're already talking about expanding it. And this is a good example of how people can get together on the right and on the left, make good things happen and bring those jobs back from Mexico, from Vietnam, from China. And they also engage the uh, educational institutions, Ohio State University, um, Columbus State Community College. We'll get into all the details on that. And uh, I have to uh, salute the building trades here out on the West Coast, Alameda County Building and Construction Trades Council. And uh, saw this on the CWA website. The CWA is aligned with the uh, IUE. And uh, they announced just this last week an innovative labor agreement covering both construction and production workers, including a historic first-in-the-industry labor neutrality agreement for the workers that will be employed at the semiconductor plants. That's pretty significant. you got the trades building them, but what about the people that are going to work in them? So this is pretty significant. I'm sure... uh, Dorsey will have a few comments on that as well. Dave Jamison will be joining us later in the show. He's been on several times. He's a great reporter with the Huffington Post, now called the Huff Post. Been there since uh, 2011, which is uh, 
is uh, tied in with the News Guild. And I'll tell you, this is a time in America when we need more labor reporters like Dave Jameson. If you go back 30, 40 years, almost every newspaper had a labor reporter, labor beat reporter. Before joining the D.C. Bureau, he was a freelancer with Slate, the New Republican, the Washington Post. And he's won a number of awards. Now, this week, there were some hearings on the, uh, the overtime rule. And the Labor Department has uh, proposed a new rule that would guarantee more workers time and a half pay when they work extra hours. According to the White House, about 3.6 million workers, most of them salaried, would be eligible for overtime pay under the plan. Now, many of these workers, for example, they're uh, retail store managers. And (laughs) if you're in retail, there's no such thing as a 40-hour week. You're paid for 40 hours, but you may be working 60, 70 hours, especially during the holidays. Well, guess what? You don't get paid for that. And the Biden administration wants to change that. Well, the conservatives on one of the committees, and Dave's going to get us some details on this, they say the, the plan by the White House is a job killer. And their witnesses, this was Wednesday's hearing, claimed that the regulation would force employers to cut hours and positions. The other story that Dave is going to talk about is Starbucks. Get this. Administrative law judges have ruled that Starbucks broke the law in 34 out of 36 cases that had decisions as of October 18th. And this is all according to a recent analysis of NLRB trials compiled by the Labor Board. Now, the judges dismissed some charges within those cases, but... They found merit in others. The charges that were upheld include firing union activists, closing stores where union support was high, withholding raises and benefits from union supporters, and making promises if workers chose not to organize. Like, you know, you're going to get a bonus. You know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give you coffee for life. <laughs> Who knows what they've promised, but... Officials have told Starbucks to reinstate at least 33 former employees so far, though the cases involving those workers are currently on appeal. In fact, one judge wrote that the violations at stores in New York State were egregious and widespread, and Starbucks displayed a rich history of being anti-union. Sharon Block used to be on the labor board. She's now a, a law professor at Harvard. And she's quoted in the article as saying, I would bet there's no other company that has amassed this many labor law violations. So that's the other story that uh, Dave Jameson will be reporting on later in the show. Now, brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. The United Auto Workers Union said this week they are trying to unionize employees at 13 companies that build cars and trucks in the United States. The union said they are targeting BMW, Honda, Hyundai, Lucid, Mazda, Mercedes, Nissan, Rivian, Subaru, Tesla, Toyota, Volkswagen, and Volvo. Now, if all those companies form unions, all of them, It would add 150,000 members to the UAW, according to the union, which would pretty much double its size right now in the auto industry. The announcement comes shortly after 
The UAW members ratified new contracts with Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis. Those contracts will increase members' pay by 25% over four years and come with improved benefits like cost-of-living adjustments, faster paths to greater wages, and increased retirement contributions. Now, the UAW has long had its sights on other car makers beyond the big three, and those companies are aware of the fact, let's be honest, Toyota gave raises to its workers shortly after the UAW announced their deal. Several other companies reportedly did the same. The launch of the Union Drive is in keeping with the dramatic style, and I mean dramatic, under the leadership of Sean Fain. On September 15th, UAW went on strike against Ford, GM, and Stellantis. Simultaneously, for the first time, it was the stand-up strike. Fain often criticized corporate greed and the billionaire class, spoke of greater power for workers across the world, themes that went beyond the UAW's dispute with the big three. This is what he said. You don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. You don't have to worry about how you're going to pay your rent or feed your family while the company makes billions. He said this to employees of those companies in a statement. The UAW's new contract will expire April 30th, 2028, and Fain has been publicly encouraging unions in other industries to set their contracts to end at the same time. That would set a stage for a larger general strike on May 1st of that year. Again, the year would be 2028. Interesting. In the meantime, General Motors on Wednesday announced a massive stock buyback plan. They raised their dividend and told investors they can absorb increased labor costs from the strike. GM said it lost production of 95,000 vehicles due to the walkout, costing the company $1.1 billion. But due to $2 billion worth of annual efficiency gains and cost reductions expected by the end of the year, the company said we can handle $9.3 billion in labor cost increases from the U.S. and Canadian unions through the end of the contract. Now, GM came out and said, well, you know what? We're probably going to have to raise the price of those vehicles. Maybe $500 next year, $575 by the end of the contracts. However, analysts were quick to say, you know what? Competition can change all that. So that's the latest from at least one of the big three. You know, lately we've been talking a lot about artificial intelligence, and I came across this story yesterday. This was out of New York where tech's executives at Microsoft and Amazon have dropped out of an upcoming software conference after at least one of the women on the agenda turned out to be a fake. The organizer, Edward Sizov, admitted on social media that one of the featured speakers was an auto-generated woman with a fake title. He was responding to allegations about a number of suspicious profiles on his conference websites that appeared to be generated by artificial intelligence. But he denied that the fake profile was intended to mask the worse-than-expected level of diversity of speakers in this year's lineup and refused to apologize in a series of posts on X, formerly known as Twitter. 
The revelation led other speakers to quickly drop out of the virtual conference that was supposed to start on December 7th, next Thursday. Kristen Howard is an executive with Amazon Web Services. Kristen said, I found out that I was the only woman on the agenda and some of the others advertised may not be real. One Microsoft executive said on X that he only speaks at conferences with an inclusive lineup, but in this case was duped by the fake speakers. He added, I remind all tech conference organizers that there are thousands of speakers of all walks of life, genders, ages, and backgrounds. We don't need any fakes. This is scary stuff. And I want to drive you to the uh, AFL-CIO website. We talked about this uh, not too long ago with Fred Redman. By the way, Fred, normally he would be on today, but uh, he texted me. He is in Nairobi, Kenya this week. He'll be back over the weekend. He's going to be on the show Monday. But the last conversation I had with Fred, we really zeroed in on artificial intelligence. And there's a lot of information posted on the AFL-CIO website. Workers are at the epicenter of the greatest technological transformation of the modern era. So, I mean, there's there's some good things that can happen, but there's a lot of bad things that can happen. And over the next uh, 10 years, it's estimated that nearly 80% of people could be making less than $38,000 a year. A lot of jobs are going to disappear and wages will go down. And guess what? Mostly working women and people of color will experience the worst social and economic outcomes because of artificial intelligence. Do check that out, aflcio.org. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Dorsey Hager on behalf of the Columbus Central Ohio Building Trades coming up next. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a Local 50 representative will call to begin the process. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit BACweb.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part 
by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to Central Ohio. And welcome back, one of our regulars, longtime contributor, Dorsey Hager, on behalf of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. Twitter handle or X handle, Build Central OH. Dorsey Hager, this is the first day of the last month of the year. It's hard to believe 2023 is just so fading away. But a lot has happened in Central Ohio. And in fact, I was just mentioning the teachers union here. I had a good conversation with uh, Melissa cropper recently about these five workplace hubs and the teachers are excited too because we're talking about pretty good jobs at these uh, chip plants down the road they got to educate the uh, the workers for those future jobs and uh, this all goes back to may when the white house named columbus as one of five workplace hubs and I'm sure when you heard that, you said, oh, boy, I got to get I got to get a lot of those apprenticeship programs going on here in Central Ohio, which you are doing. But let's kind of reflect on what has happened in Central Ohio in 2023. This is all yours, buddy. Take it away. Yeah. So the Intel announcement obviously was huge. Um, and then construction starting and then the White House uh, announcing, like you said, that Columbus and Central Ohio was going to be a chips hub. And that goes for everything. That goes for the Intel plant. That goes for construction. That goes for when it's up and operational for production because there's money, there's programs here at the local junior college, Columbus State Community College, also at a lot of the four-year schools, including Ohio State University, to get a lot of these folks ready, whether they're engineers, whether they're working in manufacturing, whether they're working in research and development, to fill a lot of these jobs that are going to be created uh, by Intel once they get up and are producing chips. And, and as you well know, uh, in the chip industry, many of these jobs are going to be, uh, you know, jobs in the six-figure range, one hundred twenty-five dollars to $135,000, which are incredible opportunities for not only residents of Columbus and graduates of Columbus City Schools, which is the largest school district in Central Ohio, 48,000 students, but also the entire Central Ohio region, Franklin County, Union County, Delaware County, Licking County, where Intel is, Pickaway, basically the eight-county Central Ohio region, which the Columbus Building Trades represents. So I know my guys kind of laugh and shake their head, but it's almost weekly that we're in conversation with folks um, from the White House uh, discussing about funding, uh, what we're doing with apprenticeship, what we're doing with pre-apprenticeship, what we're doing to help facilitate um, to get the next generation of folks trained, like I said, not only to build uh, the Intel plant, but also to do everything on that campus that's going to support that $20 billion fab. You know, um, Next year, we're looking at breaking ground um, on the water treatment facility, as many folks know, chip plants use a tremendous amount of water. They also recycle a lot of it and return a lot of the water back to where they got it from, um, which is good. But uh, the Intel plant in Licking County, they're looking at probably using 5 million gallons of water per day. Um, a lot of the front of the house stuff is coming up to bid. Uh, parking lots for employees, um, office buildings uh, for support staff for the fabs, um, all that stuff. Um, so, so that's just there on campus there at Intel. And then you talk about beach road, you talk about new Albany, you talk about that Licking County area, all the infrastructure that's being done, widening of roads, additional roads, 
uh, additional lanes to freeways coming in and out of Columbus and New Albany uh, to be able to handle all that expanded traffic, not only for the construction workers that are going to number close to 10,000 that are going to be building Intel and all the support buildings, but also all the um, buildings and all the suppliers that are going to be either located there or located throughout the entire state, you know, which we haven't even touched on yet because a lot of those jobs have not been announced, not been awarded. We know that folks that are either here that are going to be suppliers for Intel or folks that are coming from out of state that are going to be suppliers for Intel have already been here or looking at land, getting ready to secure some of that land. And I would say quarter one or quarter two of 2024, we're going to start hearing about a lot of these suppliers for Intel and for the chip manufacturing and for the support. And it could be anywhere from 80 to 120 suppliers. So, you know, like I said, Intel gets a lot of ink. The first phase, the two fabs, is $20 billion. There's a lot more work that involves uh, there on, on the Intel campus, but there's also a lot of work around the area infrastructure-wise to be able to handle all the traffic and all the people coming in and all the people that are going to locate here to Columbus and Central Ohio and all the um, other you know supportive businesses that are going to be uh, going in that's going to create a lot of other work. So, you know, it gets a lot of the ink, but... We have a lot of other stuff going on as well, um, you know, right there in that same area. The Amazon New Albany campus announced a $7.9 billion investment. They're going to build eight more data centers there on their New Albany campus, and they've already broke ground on the first one. So this is all going to happen very quickly. Within the next eight to ten years, they're going to spend an additional $7.9 billion data centers and support buildings. So there's going to be a lot of work for our folks there. The next phase at Facebook, which Facebook was really the first big one to come here to Columbus and Central Ohio about 10 years ago. The next phase of Facebook has started. That's going to be another data center and some support buildings. So that could be anywhere from 600 to $900 million worth of work. Um, here, probably in 2024, early 2025, we're going to have the completion of the $2 billion OSU Medical Center. I was down there a couple of weeks ago celebrating Veterans Day. Vice President of Ohio State University in charge of all new construction, Jay Casey, was there. Uh, talked about how great the job's doing, how everybody's uh, doing really well. Um, you know, absentee rates are incredibly low. Um, production is incredibly high. That job is under budget and ahead of schedule. And Turner and Walsh, um, the, tri the, the group that's uh, the joint venture that's building that is looking to take a lot of those same contractors, a lot of those same workers, and uh, just move them over to Children's when that tower is done because Children's Hospital is going to be building an another tower as well, and that one's going to be close to $2 billion. Uh, we're well underway. The electric vehicle battery plant uh, for Honda, which was a $4.5 billion uh, project when it was announced, again, it's on time, it's under schedule. There's a project labor agreement on their job. Uh, we have monthly tripartite meetings with the owners of Honda, uh, with the, the uh, tripartite group Turner, Walsh, and Kikosing, who could have been better uh, to work for and in the building trades. And uh, we're really doing a great job, and it shows what can happen uh, when labor and management come together to complete a project successfully. There's about 900 folks there right now. They're going to start ramping that up. I would say that'll peak in quarter one of 24, continuing on to quarter two and three of 24. And they want to be producing batteries by October of 24 uh, prototype. And then they want to be having batteries to go to market by March of 25. So that's an incredibly quick, fast-paced job. There's another 2 to $3 billion worth of investment on OSU West Campus. 
that's going to go into medical. It's also going to go into a little bit of artificial intelligence as Ohio State starts doing more and more in research and development in that field. Uh, a lot of the projects have already begun, but there's an additional 2 to $3 billion worth of work to be done there on West Campus at Ohio State. Of course, our defending national champion OSU women's ice hockey team getting their own arena. We're looking at probably about $175 million. That should break ground quarter one, 2024. And then Microsoft just recently announced that uh, they're going to be adding up to 18 buildings on their current two sites here in Central Ohio, and those projects could exceed $2 billion. DBT Data Centers announced the building of two data centers. That's another $1.2 billion worth of new construction which is going to be incredible, and it's going to keep a lot of our mechanical trades, a lot of our trial trades, cement masons, bricklayers, laborers, obviously our operating engineers, our site work guys, incredibly busy uh, with that. And then, you know, Google keeps expanding their Lancaster, New Albany, and their Columbus campus. Buildings 2, 3, and 4 have already broke ground on the Columbus campus. I was down there a couple of weeks ago visiting with Vanessa Jester from Turner, who's got that job. Pat McCann from Google, and they're talking about how great the job's going, and they're starting ready to ramp up for buildings two, three, and four. So there's a ton of work there as well. And those investments on those three campuses will obviously be in the billions. So it's quite a lot of activity as we close out 2023 and a lot more uh, positive activity happening in 2024. And it just seems like the work keeps coming. And like I said, we haven't talked about the infrastructure that's going to support the, a million, the million more people that are going to move to Columbus and Central Ohio by 2035. We haven't even started to talk about suppliers for Honda, the electric vehicle, uh, and the battery manufacturing. And we haven't even talked about suppliers for Intel yet. So I think 2024 is going to be busier in 2023, which, you know, Flash, you and I discussed. Uh, 2023 should be busier than 2022. In 2014, when I took over this job, we worked about 14, uh, 4.3 million man hours. Uh, in 2022, we worked 9.6 million man hours. So it's going to be interesting to see what 2023 brings, but I think 2024 will be much busier in 2023. Oh, my gosh. It's an amazing story. Dorsey Hager joining us on our live link, Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. Just think about what he said, doubling manpower. A million more people moving to central Ohio. How did this happen? You know, Dorsey, I'm going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll discuss how the public and private partnerships happen. Also, we'll touch on the Hollywood Casino groundbreaking and building futures. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Dave Jamison from the Huffington Post and talk about what happened at a hearing in Washington this week and all those labor law violations at Starbucks. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A.org. The Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight iron worker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great iron worker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. 
So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at IFPTE.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers. Standing strong. And fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. Before we get back to uh, Dorsey Hager, another shout-out here for the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Their 2023 holiday gift guide is out. If you go to AmericanManufacturing.org, you can find gifts manufactured in every state in America, along with the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. And they also have some old favorites on there, so do check it out. In fact, Scott Paul, who heads the Alliance, will be joining us uh, next Thursday to talk about that and more. Right now, let's go back to Central Ohio, rejoin Dorsey Hager on behalf of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. This being the last month of the year, we're taking a look at uh, what happened in Central Ohio. And I'm sure there's a lot of people really jealous of what's going on over there. I know you've got uh, your hands full making sure you can fill all those jobs. I know your apprenticeship programs are going full speed and all that. But the fact is, Columbus is one of five workplace hubs in the country. Dorsey, if you don't mind... How did this happen? I, I, I know you work you, you work your magic down there. You're you're politically connected. I mean that that's a start right there. But uh, I'm sure there's people wondering. I would like this to happen in my state or in my city. Can you give us a synopsis of how this all came together? Yeah, I know we've talked about it before on your show, but I think a lot happened. You know, ten years ago when I became head of the building trades. You know. We had had some folks for probably about a 15-year run who kind of ran the building trades here in Columbus and Central Ohio the way that the building trades had been ran here in Columbus and Central Ohio for 40, 50, 60 years. And I was fortunate enough that the folks that elected me and supported me and wanted me to run and take over the building trades 10 years ago wanted to get somebody that was a little more younger, a little more active, a little more energetic, and was going to put in the time and energy 
you know, not just 7 to 3.30, but in the evenings to get out and meet with electeds, get out and meet with staffers, but also get out and meet and develop relationships with these folks from Jobs Ohio and One Columbus, which are the economic development arms for the state of Ohio and also Central Ohio. So I tried to do that, and I think I've done a good job with that. I've reached out and developed a relationship with Alex Fisher, who used to be the head of One Columbus in the Downtown Partnership. Now that person's Kenny McDonald. Kenny and I speak, uh, you know, almost biweekly about projects that are coming on talk about manpower, talk about resources, talk about building futures and pre-apprenticeship, talk about apprenticeship and what we're doing uh, to meet the needs. Because like we've talked about on your show, <clears throat> the place that we're at now in Columbus and Central Ohio, if folks come here and the first question they ask is, do you have the people to build and maintain our projects? And do they accurately reflect the community in which we live and work in? And we're able to answer both those questions with everything that we're doing. So I think you know, what a lot of our agents, a lot of our managers, a lot of our reps, our organizers, our training directors, what they've done to buy into Building Futures, our, our award-winning nationally recognized pre-apprenticeship program, what they've done to buy into what we're all doing, uh, you know, as a team and rowing in the same direction with not only, you know, what we've done in the past and, and having these relationships you know, politically with local and statewide elected leaders and even national leaders. You know, we talked a few months ago about Senator Sherrod Brown, uh, you know, uh, getting some federal funding for our Building Futures program as we look at expansion in 2024 as we have more jobs to fill. But but I think that's the key. It's, it's government, it's labor, and it's business, and it's all working together and all rowing in the same direction. And you're not going to get 100% participation from everybody, and you're not going to get 100% buy-in from everybody. But the key is that the people that do have buy-in, you maximize their strengths and their talents, and you try to get as much out of them as you can for the good of everybody. And then the people that, that are kind of on the sidelines and aren't sure, you know, you try to pull them along, try to get them buy-in to, try to get them to join the team so that we're all rowing in the same direction. But uh, I think that's how we've done it here. Um, you know, I, I can't go without mentioning the state building trades either. I mean, obviously the busiest local or the busiest council in, in the state is Columbus, you know, we might be the busiest council in all of the United States, maybe right next to Phoenix or right next to Portland with all the uh, activity that they've got going on with data centers and chips as, as well. But, um, you know, Mike Nicely and Mark Douglas from the state building trades do a phenomenal job assisting with me, helping me out uh, and kind of picking up where, where, you know, where I can't do all the work or where I can't attend every meeting or, or be everywhere. Um, you know, this is a great example. You know, we're celebrating the first Friday of December right now. You know, I'm going to be in southern Nevada talking about building futures, our pre-apprenticeship, what we're doing here in Columbus and central Ohio. Um because the Southern Nevada Building Trades just landed a project labor agreement on the new baseball stadium for the Oakland A's, so they want to kind of reduplicate a little bit of what we're doing in Columbus here in Southern Nevada. So Mike and Mark are taking meetings uh, on Capitol Hill, and they're meeting with Congresswoman Joyce Beatty and Senator Sherrod Brown uh, in D.C. while I'm out here. So it's just a lot of good activity in Columbus, a lot of stuff going on, but it, it just takes effort. It takes energy. It takes a belief in uh, what we're all doing to support our members, our contractors, and our unions, and I think that's why we're successful in Columbus and Central Ohio. Everybody working together. That's what it takes. You, you mentioned uh, building futures. I understand some uh, graduates getting ready for those jobs at, uh, at Intel. I, I know it's yeah. a few years off here, but what's the story on that? 
Yeah, so we were actually very fortunate. We graduated our last class of 2023. We're going to kind of take a break here and uh, prepare for 2024 and not only look about what we're going to be doing with our Franklin County cohorts, uh, but also maybe expansion east into Licking County into Appalachia as all that data center work is growing in Fairfield County and in Licking County, which is east and southeast of us, and try to draw from uh, the underserved population there to help us man some of this work as well. But our last class that graduated this year included 19 graduates. All 19 of uh, all 19 graduates have already been placed. Many are already working. Uh, we've got pipe fitters. We've got iron workers. We've got electricians. Uh, we've got laborers. Uh, we've got sprinkler fitters. I know I'm probably missing some, but uh, we placed them all. Many are already working, and we placed our first handful on the Intel project uh, with Bechtel, the contractor who's self-performing about 70% of the work there. So. Three electricians are going to go out there, four pipe fitters are going to go out there, and that's our first group uh, to place there. And I'm sure it's the first of many, as like I said, that job starts to ramp up quarter two and quarter three next year, and and we look at that peak of about 10,000 people here in the next 12 to 16 months. And one more here, that's the Hollywood Casino. And I I tell you, I'm I'm jealous on this one because I remember when they passed the law to build the uh, casinos in, uh, what was it, Columbus? Central Ohio. Uh, let's see. What was Cincinnati? And I believe Toledo had the other one. Well, we never got one built. In fact, they use an old department store building. So what did they have a groundbreaking over there with the Hollywood casino? What's the story there? Yeah, so you hit the nail on the head in 2009. We were fortunate enough to get one of the sites, and we had new construction and incredible partnership with the folks at Penn Gaming and, uh, you know, help them get that across the line and get that casino built in 2009. Uh, it's been tremendously successful and good for economic development here in Columbus. Uh, they announced uh, about seven or eight months ago, they came to me and said they were looking at building a $100 million uh, hotel, 180 rooms with a full service bar and restaurant, also event space and stuff. Um, and they wanted to build it under a community benefit agreement, you know, a project labor agreement with local organized labor and uh, do what we can in the west side in the city of Columbus to get folks in that area to help building uh, that project that they're going to drive by every day. So we had an announcement about that this week. I was fortunate enough to get to speak um, along with the general manager uh for the Hollywood Casino here locally, Rick Skinner. And I got to introduce my good friend who just got reelected to city council, Emmanuel Remy. And it, it was just a great time. I mean, it's like I said in my speech, you, you, you walk through, uh, you know, and you go buy the sports book, you go buy some table gaming, uh, you know, you go buy a few of the restaurants, you know, Mikey's Late Night Slice, Wahlburgers, and uh, and then you got to put your work hat on. you got to get up, deliver some remarks, speak to the media about this great uh, project coming up forward. But it's just a cool place to be, a fun place to be. And a lot of our members, a lot of our agents, our reps, even some of our international folks who we have conferences here in Columbus and Central Ohio, this gives us another union location to be able to hold at least conferences and these events. And it's going to be a great place to be able to do this at. Well, there's a lot of people going to be making a lot of money down there. They want to grab some of that. That's what it's all about. They, they, they know what's they know what's going to go on in a couple of years. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I can't be remiss without mentioning Hollywood Casino has been our host. Uh, since they opened to our Friends of Labor uh, Christmas party, which is a tremendous success. So that partnership keeps keeps going on and on, and uh, tremendously grateful of those folks there at Hollywood Casino and Penn Gaming. All right, we're going to leave it on that note. Dorsey Hager, Executive Secretary-Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council website, columbusconstruction.org. You can follow them on Twitter. Well, actually, X, it's Build Central OH. Great job as usual. 
You take care. Too bad the Buckeyes aren't going to be in postseason play, but like we say with the Browns, there's always next year. <laughs> okay, buddy. Exactly, take- but hopefully when we talk in 2024, we're uh, getting ready for that big uh, playoff push by the Brownies. Hopefully they can bring it home strong here. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping. You take care. Have a wonderful holiday. Okay, brother? You too. Thanks, Flash. Bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Dave Jamison of the Huffington Post is coming up next. Got a couple of interesting stories about uh, what happened on Capitol Hill this week with the overtime rule and all those Starbucks labor law violations. He's coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, ulagency.org is a website. Let's go to line number two. And welcome back to the show, Dave Jamison, on behalf of the Huffington Post, actually the Huff Post, they call themselves. He's a labor reporter. He's been there since 2011. And I stand corrected. He is not a member of the News Guild. He's a member of the Writers Guild. We'll make sure we get our union straight here. I mentioned at the top of the show he's with the uh, News Guild. And the News Guild is doing a pretty good job organizing this year. And the Writers Guild, of course, they had to go out on strike, and they got a pretty decent contract as a result. Dave Jamison, you were watching the um, 
of hearings this week. This was on Wednesday. And I know the Biden administration wants to change the overtime rule. This has to do a lot with people that are classified as what managers, assistant managers. And uh, there's no such thing as working a 40 hour week in retail. <laughs> and in hospitality is another one. So why don't you explain uh, what went on at this hearing? But I understand that uh, some people are saying that, well, that we need people to work more. And, you know, it's, it's, if you're going to be a manager, well, you get paid extra. You don't deserve to get any more. Why don't you explain what, uh, what the dialogue was like this week in Washington? Go ahead. Yes, Les. So this was a hearing held uh, by Republicans in the House, on the, the House Education and the Workforce Committee. Uh, used to be the, the Education and Labor Committee under Democrats. Uh, when Republicans take over, they, they strip the labor name out of there. So it's Education and the Workforce. Uh, it was a hearing on, on what to do about about uh, overtime regulations. As you said, Biden uh, wants to raise the salary threshold. That That's the, the number below which uh, you, you are pretty much guaranteed time and a half pay when you work more than 40 hours a week. Right now, it's only 30-something thousand. So if you're like a manager at a dollar dollar store and you you uh, you make at least 30 36 thousand a year, then uh, you know you're 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 not getting overtime when you work 80 hours a week or whatever insane hours they have you working. So the Biden administration wants to raise it to 55 thousand uh, as a salary uh, threshold. That that would bring millions more workers sort of into the tent when it comes to having overtime protections. The Republicans are not, not happy about this. They, they want to keep that number uh, uh, down where it is, right, keep these workers carved out of the protections. And so uh, th- there was a, a very interesting moment in the hearing, um, uh, courtesy of Virginia Fox, uh, Congresswoman from, from North Carolina, who, who, who chairs the committee. Um, you know, one of the a, a Democratic um, uh, guests had, had, had said in testimony that, these days, a lot of people, just, they don't want to work all of this extra unpaid overtime. And she was talking specifically about younger workers who, especially in a tight labor market like we have right now, they're just going to bounce if you expect them to work all of this extra time without pay. They're just going to go get a job somewhere else where, where, where they're not going to be forced to do that. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and Virginia Fox uh, took issue with that and, 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 and said, basically said a lot, too many workers are, are, are lazy these days. She said, and this is a direct quote, there's just a lot of people in this country that don't want to work, period, and want other people to take care of them. She said, that's not what this country is all about. We have great opportunities in this country for people to be successful if they want to work hard. And, and this, this really uh, uh, got under a lot of people's skin, uh, I think, because this was a, a hearing that was by nature about people who are working a lot, working too much. Right. right. We're, we're, this is about overtime. We, we are talking about people who are working more than 40 hours a week. Those are the workers we're talking about when we talk about what do we do about the overtime regulation. And so uh, here was the, the chair of the committee, um, you know, taking it as an opportunity to, to talk about basically uh, workers being lazy. Well, yeah, they they don't want to work, especially if they're not getting paid. I mean, that's what the conversation should have been about here. I understand that the uh, the uh, head of the well government affairs director for the National Employment Law Project, Judy Conte, at least they invited this person 
And she pretty much testified that workers won't put up with forced overtime these days. I mean, and, I, you know, I've said this, and I'm sure you've noticed that the pandemic has changed everything. You've got frontline workers who uh, were making measly wages in dangerous situations. I mean, uh, something's got to give here. Raise the wages and, okay, things will be a whole lot better. But apparently that conversation uh, was kind of banned from that committee. Yeah, Virginia Fox, she's something else, isn't she? She is. You might remember her from a, a few weeks ago um, when Mike Johnson, the, the new House, House Speaker, ascended to his speakership. There was a press conference, and uh, one of the reporters said, basically asked him, you know, directly about, uh, you know, his, his, his role, his support for uh, Donald Trump's effort to overturn the 2020 election results. And, um, and, and a, a bunch of Republicans started shaking their heads and saying, no, no, no. And, and uh, Virginia Fox just yelled, shut up, shut up to the reporter uh, for asking this, this very fair question. Uh, so, yeah, she, she uh, has, has a bit of a, a repu- reputation uh, on the Hill for, for throwing elbows around in, in uh, uh, such situations. Very anti-union. She is very anti-union. The, 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 the whole co- the committee under, under Republican leadership has taken, you know, a sharp turn from, from, from under Democrats, which wouldn't surprise you. But now the hearings, you know, yesterday they had a, they had a hearing about, um, you know, their, their, their push for a national right to work law. So that's kind of the direction things have gone in a lot of hearings, um, you know, blasting, blasting unions, blasting, um, uh, you know, OSHA, what have you, any sort of efforts to tighten regulations on the workplace. Well, there's a lawmaker in Arizona that wants to ban OSHA, eliminate OSHA altogether. But, uh, you know, that's that's not going to happen. But this is the attitude from some members of Congress. Let's switch gears here and talk about Starbucks. And I saw your post about a week, week and a half ago about how many times they broke the law. Thirty four out of thirty six cases. And Sharon Block, who used to be on the uh, labor board, is now a law professor at Harvard. And she is willing to bet that there's no other company that has amassed this many labor law violations. Dave, I have to ask you, I mean, eventually something's got to break here. I mean, they, they just continually, continually break the law here, and they seem to be getting away with it. That's, that's pretty frustrating, isn't it? Something's got to break, or maybe not, because the, the whole game here is, I, I think, is to to extend this litigation as, as far as as far as they can, right? There's been there's been a huge organizing campaign by Workers United. They've they've organized I think almost 400 Starbucks stores at, at this point. Um, Starbucks has insisted all along. We're, you know we haven't we're, we're not breaking the law here. We're not we're not we disagree. These are just the union's allegations. We haven't done anything wrong, et cetera, et cetera. My, the point of my story was was to point out that that. Now we have all of these rulings coming in, right? Mm-hmm. These cases have been building up a huge log of dozens of cases, hundreds of allegations of unfair labor practices, and now we're having judges issue rulings on them. We're having the board issue their decisions on them, and they're not going well for Starbucks. Um, it's As you said, I think the count now is around 36 out of 38 cases that have decisions. They have found that Starbucks violated the law in one fashion or another, the the uh, unfair labor practices include firing union supporters, closing stores where where union um, organizing was was going on, uh, withholding benefits from 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 workers who are organizing, and 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 the list goes on. And so, 
um, the, these rulings are, are going against Starbucks, but Starbucks is appealing all of them. And they're, that's just de rigueur. That is what, what they are doing. And they're going to take them as far as they can. In fact, in, in, I know in at least one case they've, they've submitted a writ to the Supreme Court asking for review. So they're just going to run this as far as they can. You know, Littler, uh, Mendelssohn, their, their, their law firm, um, is just they're trying to keep these cases alive. And so, you know, time is really is on their side in the sense that if you're, if you're the union doing the organizing here, you, you want this stuff to get wrapped up. You're trying to organize. You're trying to, to, to get a bargain a contract here. Um, and, and so it really, it, it really benefits a company in Starbucks' position to kind of drag this stuff out, right? You, you keep this litigation alive as long as you can and, and, and try to, to stall on, on, on the union getting anywhere. And that's, I think that is the big, the big problem that, that the union confronts at this stage. Well, what are you hearing from Workers United? I mean, they're or Starbucks Workers United in this case. Uh, are they standing strong? I mean, it's, it's got to be really really wearing them down at this stage, right? Yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, certainly demoralizing. And right, uh, on the one hand, the, the board, is I, I think, is doing its job. They're, they're, they're taking these cases, they're processing them, they're holding hearings, they're getting decisions out. It's just, it's just a, such a huge pile of cases. And, and the reality is, at the end of the day, that, you know, the law... The law doesn't have much in the way of teeth in it. Um, and, and these cases take years to resolve. I was talking to one worker... Um, a couple weeks ago, um, you know, there was a decision that came down that she had been retaliated against as, as a union activist and that they withheld a raise from her, uh, a, a promotion because of it. And so she should be due probably a few hundred bucks because of this, this you know, the, the, the judge ruled that, that, you know, she should have had this raise and Starbucks now should have to pay her the difference um, that, that she would have had. She's been told, you know, you might get this a few hundred bucks, it's going to be years, though, if you ever do get it, because of all of the appeals that are going to, going to go on. And that's really the kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to these cases. And so for the union, you have all of this, you know, workers getting frustrated, um, wanting, you know, justice now in their cases, knowing that they're going to have to wait probably years for a lot of this stuff to be resolved. So they really got to hold it together. And I, I think, like, a key to the campaign success is whether they can continue organizing in the face of all this the, the rate at which they've been unionizing stores is certainly slowed from the early days. They're still still adding more stores to the to the union column, but not at kind of like the furious pace that we saw in 2022, where yeah. where it's just it was spreading like wildfire. And so I think the union the the key is to to sort of keep up the organizing and also add add public pressure. And they've been trying to do a lot of that through they've been doing some strikes. They had a big strike on uh, Starbucks Red Cup Day uh, last month things like that it's just it's a very it's a it's a very trying long game uh when you're when you're you're trying to tackle uh uh organizing at a, at a company of starbucks size and and, and their power you know right. it's like like amazon and these some of these other huge companies um they can throw dozens and dozens of lawyers at, at this stuff simple case of uh, justice delayed justice denied dave jameson i thank you dave jameson labor reporter for the huff post huffpost.com you take care we'll be talking down the road okay brother all right, Flash, you take it easy. All right, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up on Monday, Fred Redman, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. And finally, we're going to talk with the ironworkers raising the Christmas tree on the Sherwin-Williams building. That's going to happen Monday. Until then, all of you, have a safe and wonderful weekend. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. 
And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.